It's awesome to be here, and it's amazing to see what God put in your heart, Adrian, starting to come alive in this city. Uh, it's, it's the privilege of faith. There's sometimes faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, but often the reward of faith is ta- starting to see the snippets of what we did have faith for in our hearts. And that's what I see today. Uh, I kind of stand here and worship. You have an amazing worship team, by the way. I hope you guys know that. They're awesome. I kind of feel like heaven has a heartbeat. I kind of feel like if the church would just hear the heartbeat and find that groove and step in time, we'll start to make music that the world's never heard, you know? And, uh, and so really love you guys, love what you're doing here. And I have a message for you. I feel like that's going to put courage into your hearts, but I want to set it up uh, just with something that is, is big on our hearts, where I come from. And uh, I think it's what shapes great churches. And so you've probably heard this before, but in 1 Samuel chapter 14, I'm going to jump straight in. Uh, they're about to go to war with the Philistines, and uh, Jonathan is leading the charge. And in 1, Ch- 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> Jonathan, what we're looking, here, looking for here is a sealed deal, but like Adrian, what we really want to know is if we come with you, it's going to work, right? And Adrian, like, perhaps anchor it, God will work on our behalf, you know? And, uh, and then I love what it says here, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And then listen to what his people say. Do all, say all. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Great churches, I want to say up front, are built on volunteer armies and people who passionately get around a vision that doesn't make entire sense sometimes, isn't always crystal clear and doesn't have guaranteed outcomes other than God will save. It doesn't always make perfect sense what we're walking into, but I believe this sincerely today. And I want to say if you're a volunteer in this house and if you have contributed financially to this house and if you have built courage into Adrian and his wife's lives, Benita, as they've gone through their seasons together, I want to say that you people, the armor bearers that have said to them, we are with you heart and soul. You are the people that great churches are built on. And so what I want to do right up front is I want you guys to give yourselves a hand and to thank God for the little role you've played in the big story that he's writing. So can we just thank him right now and thank every volunteer who serves this house. And Adrian, it takes a lot of courage to say, come, let's go. Uh, as a church planner, I don't have it all worked out. There are days when I'm wondering, what on earth am I doing? Uh, but what I do know is that God honors courageous decisions. And you've been courageous, but we spent a day with you yesterday. Dubsy and I got home back to hotel. We're like, what's going on? What makes this guy stand out? Like, what, what's going on in his life? And we just looked at each other like, this guy is just unwilling to give up. He is not going to give up. He's not going to put it down. And uh, I kind of feel like it would have been Adrian said to his young armor bearers, come, let's go to the outpost. Maybe God's going to do something in Joburg, but at least we know he will save, you know. And, uh, and so Anchor Church, you're in for exciting days. Uh, exciting days ahead. We say this all the time where we're from, but I think it's the story God's writing in the global church. The best is yet to come. Do you believe that? And so um, really believe that for you guys today. And so volunteers, don't lose heart on the quiet Sundays, on the big Sundays, on the small baptisms, on the big baptisms. Uh, just know that God came through for Jonathan and his men, and he'll come through for you. And uh, you're in a safe space here to grow in Christ. It's good to see visitors. Love visitors in churches, and in fact, if you're visiting, I want to say hello. <laughs> I kind of feel like, man, this is your home, but I want to say, hey, welcome to the house that we share today, and uh, I hope you have a great time. I hope you're encouraged, and I believe God has a word for you. 
One thing I've realized, it doesn't matter where you're at in life, it doesn't matter what season you're in, it doesn't matter what you're going through, God wants to speak to you, and, uh, and He doesn't want to leave you where you are. He wants to take you to what He has for you. Amen? And uh, God has great things for His people. I believe that. And so wherever you're at, if you're a visitor, if you're just checking it out, uh, no, no hoops to jump through in this church. That's what I love about this house. It's just come as you are. Uh, obviously, you can't leave until you've done a few things. We're going to shut the doors and lock. <laughs> Joking. I'm joking, Joburg. Hey, I'm from Durban, you know? It's like, where's this guy from Durban? Got you, uh, Durban, milk. You know how we say milk? You guys say milk. We say milk. It's just a bit stronger than you guys, you know? So it's... We're from Durban. I'm married to a beautiful lady named Tess, uh, who is looking after the fort back home with some of our team. We have a great team. And uh, Link Church has been seven years going now. We're going on eight years in July. And, uh, and we have lived through seasons of highs and lows, but seen the evidence of God's grace in every single season, and we've never doubted that He has a plan for us. And uh, we're standing on mountains at the moment, just appreciating the goodness of God in the valleys. And so it's exciting to be here. I've got three young girls, uh, yes, in my house. Pray for me, because I like motorbikes, and I guess I bought a bike because I got three girls. I was like, something, something loud's got to happen in my life, you know? Other, other than pitch, high pitch, you know, so... Um, I got three girls, Mackenzie, Tara, and Honor. I love them to bits. They're completely different to one another, but that's what God's like. You know, we're all different, and we all have a role to play. I love them to bits. They honestly, I almost miss them the day I leave, the moment I leave home. And uh, and so, if they were here today, I can guarantee they'd be in kids' church making a racket with your kids because they love church, and we believe that our family should come on the journey. And uh, and so we we just we just love church. We just can't get away from it. And so, I want to share a message today called "We Will Not Be Silent." You want to try that with me? Just turn to your neighbor and say, we will not be silent. Turn to your second choice on the other side. <laughs> you know it's true. And if you're sitting next to you, I don't know if you guys do this yet, I don't know how many single people are, but if you're sitting next to someone that's looking amazing, just tell them, I've been praying all week that I would be in, is it okay to help some people out in your church today? I mean, it worked for that young couple, they got engaged. I mean, why would you want to meet your partner anywhere else in the world? Surely, surely the church is where we want to meet our, our, our friends and partners and wives and husbands and amen. We will not be silent. And uh, it's a message of courage, I pray. And so I want to read from uh, Acts chapter 4. And starting in verse 1, I'm going to read a whole bunch, share some ideas with you, hand back to your pastor, and, uh, and then God's going to use you to change the city. How's that sound? Acts chapter 4, verse 1. It says, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking. How many of you guys know that active faith attracts attention? It's when we step out that, that seems to be when God steps in. And while they were speaking to the people, a heart for the city of Joburg, and they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were, preach, uh, the, the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Crazy people. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many, say but many, but many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew that day to about 5,000. Anchor Church, you've just started out, I'm, I'm trusting and I'm hoping that you're believing as we're sitting here today, as you feel the hum and worship, as you feel the faith in your leader, as you start to watch what God's doing, that you will know that as you preach and proclaim the word of God, many will come to know Jesus, regardless of the circumstance or the obstacles or the opposition you face, many will come to know saving faith. 
in Jesus Christ. And many who heard the message that day believed, about 5,000. Verse 5, the next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, and so were Cephas and John, Alexander, and other men. I don't know why they make the name so hard in the Bible. Other men of the high priest's family. And they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or by what name do you do this? I love it how they connect power to the name they're using. And you know that there's, no, there's power in the name of Jesus. And so then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. I love it how they speak to Peter and John, and they say, rulers and elders of the people. This is their response. They're almost, in a way, making a mark, because you should represent the people, but what you're trying to do is actually not representing the people. It's almost like, rulers and elders of the people, not, <laughs> you know? I love Peter. Anyway, that's my little passion. I like Peter. Rulers and elders of the people. If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then you need to know this. You and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And when they saw this, sorry, when they saw the courage of Peter, uh, when they saw the eloquence of Peter's speech, sorry, when they saw the uh, perfect dress code, when they saw the, the, the detail of Peter's presentation, no, 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 come on, just follow me now. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that these were unschooled, ordinary men and were astonished. You don't often see that, by the way. That word astonished doesn't come up many times in the Bible. It says they were astonished at the courage and they took note because these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see that the man had been amongst them was healed standing there, there was nothing they could say. And so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then they conferred together. They had a discussion panel. Uh, they started a Facebook page against churches. They, they started a discussion group to discuss what the churches were saying that wasn't right. Although everyone was getting saved, a lot of joy was filling the city and prosperity was becoming our story. But they started discussion groups while God was working. Don't you just love it? What are we going to do with these men, they asked. And everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they've done an outstanding miracle. We cannot deny this. But to stop this thing from spreading... Any further among the people, we must warn them not to speak any longer to anyone about this name. And then they called them in again and commanded them, do not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, but Peter, come on Peter, here you go again. And John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking, for we will not stay silent about what we've seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. And they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God about what had just happened. I want to I kind of unpack this just for a few moments with you today. And if you're taking notes, you're welcome to take notes. If you don't take notes, I really suggest you take notes. You know, it's one of those things. It's kind of like we're all learning, right? And, uh, and I looked at Dubsy just now. By the way, this is my mate Dubsy. And uh, he, he would be the Barnabas and the armor bearer in my life that honestly in moments I'm so grateful for. And so you all need those people. But I'm looking at him and I'm like, what are you doing, bro? He's writing on his phone. How's our church going? He's like, I don't care how our church is going. It should be fine. I'm taking notes on Anchor because they're teaching me some stuff today. Literally, he's filled his phone up. So 
it, it's awesome. But I want to I kind of unpack this for you. We will not stay silent. I believe there's a message God has put in you, Anchor Church, that is for this city, for this season, and there's no need to go silent on it. There's no need to lose hope at any point in time. There's no need to uh, lose courage because God wants to do something in you. And so just drawing a few tensions, let's journey together. The first thing I want to speak about is this idea of proclaiming. I love it how it says here, while they were speaking to the people, they came into a confrontation with the rulers of that day. We have the saying where I come from, we grow when we go. How many of you guys know that uh, silence never attracts much, atten- much attention? It's, it, it, there's something, and I, w- I want to talk about making a racket for the right reasons today. I don't want you to go out there and make a racket for the wrong reasons. You know, we're going we're gonna to see that that's not what they were doing. But there's something about losing the ability to keep quiet about what God is doing that starts to shape something that we never dreamt of. I remember when we first started to dream of planting Link Church, uh, going to our pastor at the time, and he said to me, Dor, what's stirring in your heart? We're in the Anglican Church. I said, I just really feel God has called us to redefine what the church looks like to the outsider. It should be easy for people to come to church. It should be effortless for someone who feels like they don't belong there, don't fit in, never going to crack it. Those are the people who should feel like they're most welcome in our church. And so I remember sharing this story, and he was like, Dill, just, you know, we're going to have to take this one slowly. And I was like, I'm willing to go slow, but I'm not willing to be silent. I'm willing to be patient with what God's going to do in this story, but I'm not willing to shut my mouth for what's stirring in my heart. There, there is evidence of God's grace moving in the unchurched people in our lives that we need to be passionately pursuing. And so if you're new to church today and if you've come to know Jesus in this church, I want to say that you are the people we exist for. And I hope you tell your friends the same. But they were, listen to what it says here. It says they were proclaiming in Jesus' name resurrection from the dead. I want to show you how proclaiming is linked to power. In fact, that word proclaim, if, if you look, if you unpack it uh, in its original language, it actually, it actually literally is, is kind of like the word we use for preaching. They were proclaiming, they were preaching. But preaching doesn't quite explain what it's trying to say. That word proclaim means to indicate clearly. And so it's not just to kind of make a racket, it's to indicate clearly. And I think one of the gifts Adrian has, and I've heard uh, sections of his messages, I listen online, I snoop, you know, that's what what we do as pastors, we learn from each other. But he has an amazing gift to articulate the gospel with clarity and with conviction. This is the gospel. That's what these men were doing. They weren't just like, let's go and kick over the bins and wave flags in the city and hope people pay attention. It's not going to work. We're going to cause a stir, but it's not necessarily going to change the city. We need to articulate so clearly, what is God doing? What does the gospel say? How does the gospel invite people, ordinary people like you and I, into this crazy story and this scandalous story of grace? How do we articulate this in a way that people can go, oh my, I'm invited, and we come into that story. This is what they were doing. And so Peter is known as the noisy man. He cuts off ears. You know, he steps out onto the water, and then he sinks and freaks out, and then he gets pulled out again. He's like, he's always trying something different. But in this moment over here, this word proclaim is he's indicating clearly the good news of the gospel. He's created a space and a platform for the gospel to be preached. It's why I believe so passionately in the local church. You know why? Because it holds in its hands the only message that can transform a human life. 
And when that message starts to translate from our Sunday expressions into what you're talking about just now, into our weekday activity, because most of us are missionaries from Monday through to Saturday. Very few of us are missionaries on Sunday in ministry. Most of us are activating that faith Monday through Saturday. That's you sitting here today. And when you start to express what you're learning on a Sunday through your Monday through Saturday, the city starts to change and people start to pay attention. I want to tell you, there is a connection between proclaiming the gospel and the power of God coming through on our behalf. And I want you to know that no matter how you articulate that, you may not have all the eloquent words, but when you start to mention that name, Jesus, let's see what they said here. What, what, what name is this power linked to, they ask. And Peter says, well, if you must know, it's by the name of Jesus. I want to I say, like, sometimes you won't know what to say, but you'll just express the testimony of your life. You won't understand what you're saying sometimes, but actually they'll see what you're saying because you're proclaiming, not just your words, but with your lives, God has changed my life. We visited a church, the gospel made sense, and I don't even know what God is doing, but He's real to me and He can be real to you. And in that moment, there's a connection. It's almost like God says, I want to be with these people in this moment because they're proclaiming the good news and the good news always comes with power. I believe there'll be businessmen sitting here today, there'll be moms sitting here today, there'll be politicians may be sitting here today, that when you start to proclaim in Jesus' name what He's doing in your life, God just starts to pour His power into that space. You can expect breakthroughs. This country is crying out for men and women that will passionately proclaim the good news of the gospel. Proclaiming in power. Proclaiming in power. How many of you guys know that your words create worlds? Isn't that right? It says that we were created in His, in his image. In His image, He created us. There is, a, there is something of who He is that is expressed again through who we are in Him. And so it says God created the world. He spoke and it became. I want to tell you that there is power in your words. And you can either use proclaiming words to create worlds of hope and opportunity for this country. Or you can use words of complaining, which bring down the country in a spiral, which we don't need. And I'm telling you, the church is finding its groove again. There's a rhythm in the church. There's a different beat. I'm listening to this band. I'm saying, keep playing, friends, because I'm finding a melody that's going to change the city. And we have a language of proclamation, not complaining. Wow, was that a bird that just flew into the window behind me? See, when you preach the gospel, everything comes running, you know? It's just that God's not as big into birds as He is into His people. So anyway, shame. Did He make it? That's good news. I think that was the dove. <laughs> Check out what's happening on the dry land. They're cooking. I'll be back, you know? <laughs> Where's create worlds? Uh, what, are you speaking, what are you speaking into being in the city? What are you speaking into being in this church? What are you speaking into being over each other's lives? Because proclaiming will attract power. Your words create worlds. Uh, the second thing I want to speak about as we go through this idea of we'll not stay silent is when it starts to kind of unpack itself and they start to discuss this charge towards Peter and John. And it says, salvation is found in no other name Peter's talking about than the name of Jesus. And then they say, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. I sometimes think people come to Link Church and when they leave, they're like, Jesus must have been with those guys because they don't deserve to have the church they're leading. <laughs> to which I re reply, yes, he was, you know. He was with boring old me. He found me in Stellenbosch when I was at my worst. He picked me up, put my feet upon a rock. He gave me courage. He told me, you may not have been to seminary. You may not have all the answers. You may have some scars. But let me tell you, Dill, I'm going to use you to shape the future of this city. And it's not in my strength. Isn't that what Paul said? By the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And I feel like actually it's by the courage of Peter. And so he put courage in my heart. My daughter the other day and my eight-year-old comes to my wife and she's scratching a scar she has. She's got this scar from bumping her chin on, a, on our pool once. And it cracked open and as it does, you know, that's what happens. And I wish I had a boy that cracked his chin. Now I've got a girl that's got, you know, and she's rubbing her scar and she says, Mom, I'm so grateful for my scar. And Tess says, wow, baby, you know, like perfect mom moment. Like this is going to be either a great answer or a very concerning one, you know. Wow, my baby. And she said, because this scar reminds me that I'm brave, mom. I think the church is full of people with scars that are trying to cover them up. I want to tell you something. Your scars remind you that God has put courage in your heart. You are born to be brave. You are born for big. Regardless of the scars you carry, salvation will prevail. And it's not a one-off. It's a futuristic story. I got some scars from varsity. I got some scars from my youth. I got some scars in my marriage just recently. But God is using those scars to remind me of what the kind of courage He's put in my life. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Courage. By the, they saw this courage. Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished. I want to talk about the tension between courage, just briefly, and, comp- and competency. I think... Um, there is definitely a swing or a bias toward competency in life. Are you competent? Can you answer these questions? Uh, when I'm in the city of Joburg, I realize the competency, the average competency of the city. This is a very progressive, organized, put together. Sometimes you guys may not see it, but as an outsider coming from Durban, this is a city that inspires us by the level of capacity and competency that there is on the people in this place. You need to know, friends, you're building something significant, whether you know it or not. And so there's this, there's this bias toward what am I able to do? What am I qualified for? What am I able to, uh, uh, how am I able to perform? How can I showcase what I've studied or where my gifts lie to this city? But the interesting thing about this story, and it catches me every time, as it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they were astonished. It's like, maybe all we need to have in moments is not the right answer but just the courage to take another step in the right direction. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I get asked the question, hey, Dil, you know, our church has, has grown quite quickly and we're experiencing some exciting things. And they'll come to me and they'll say, hey, Dil, you know, I really think we should and I really think we should and what do you think about this and what, what's your theology on that? And, you know, I sometimes have the answers, but most times I don't. I'm just being honest. But what I do have is a courage and a conviction that God has called us to pioneer a church in the city that believes in unbelievers and sees the church hear the gospel for the first, unchurched hear the gospel for the first time. So sorry, sir, I don't have the answer to your question. I missed that course in seminary, but I do have a passion to see un- unchurched people saved. And so I'm going to step out again. And when you come at me again, I'm just going to this time step out a little bit further because one of these days you're going to realize that by courage we will astonish the city. And some people, some of you filling this room today, you've disqualified yourselves because of your background. You've disqualified yourselves because of moments, maybe the scars. But I feel like God wants to say to you today, Anchor Church, the silence that He's asking you not to suppress and the voice that He's given you for the city is not about the competency that you have. It's about the courage you have to act on His behalf. He will come through for you. Great churches are built on courageous men of faith. And if I have one task in every moment of conversation I have with Adrian, 
is to remind them that actually he's got enough to do what God's called him to do. Their family will pioneer together, him and Benita and the kids, they will pioneer together what God's called them to, not by their competencies or whether they can check all the boxes or they can have the perfect outline of their marriage and children and family, but if they can have the courage to act on God's behalf again and again and again, in spite of, despite, whatever it is, God will come through again. And maybe that's for you today too. Unschooled, ordinary men. I think people sometimes when they meet us, they're surprised. <laughs> they see stuff on Facebook, the highlight reel. You know the story. It's like, oh, Link Church. It's like the biggest church in South Africa. No, we're not. We're in Belito. We're not that big either. But it just looks as a highlight reel. And then they come and they meet me and I'm fan. And we're an inspiring crew and there's awesome stuff happening. But the truth is what we really have in Vosmer, we just have a bit of courage. We don't have all the answers. And they're like, um, yeah, like, it's strange. Actually, Dill, we asked them about the strategy, and it turned out they didn't have, like, a supernatural strategy. They just had a strange kind of courage, you know? <laughs> I actually don't even know how the church is ticking over. I say, like, too many people limiting what God can do to what you can do. It's not about what you can do. It's about what He's already done for us. And so when they saw the courage, they realized that this men, these men had been with Jesus. I actually felt in worship today that I could just as well leave this building. You can give me a brick wall if you want, and I'll run through it because I'm feeling so fired up by you guys. And I was like, it's something that happens when you're with Jesus. Courage is inevitable. And when you put him first and when you put him center, and when I love it how in, in, in worship Adrian took that moment to just center us on God again, to say, God, we're not here for a show. We're not here for a performance. We're not here to check a box. We're here to encounter you, to know your presence, to experience your power, and to allow you to use us to change the city. Do it again, God. I was in that moment, I was like, Dubsy, just get in the car, let's go. Courage, 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 courage. And then the part that really jumps out to me. So when it comes down the line, it says, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. I mean, these guys are confused, right? The rulers are a little bit confused. Because they're like, these guys are causing a stir in the city. We've started a Facebook page to shut them down now. You guys, you guys not sure if they did that in the Bible? Facebook was in the Bible. There was a panel discussion. How many of you guys know that they're discussing what you're doing right now? You know, they're discussing, there are people discussing whether they like Anchor Church. Do we like what they have to say? It's not important, right? Let's keep moving. And so um, recently, uh, I had a friend I grew up with. There were two really prominent families in Belita, really prominent families. And I was friends with both their sons. One passed away in a car crash in my matric year, and the other one is still going. And uh, our friendship has taken some strain. He, he doesn't know God, uh, but their families are very prominent in the area. And recently, another friend of ours came to me and said, Dill, I need you to know that these people really hate you. <laughs> to which I replied, did I really need to know that? She said, I think it's important you know that. There's a problem. What are we going to do about the problem? These people really hate you. Like, I'm talking about good family friends. I'm thinking like, there's no way they hate me. I'm like such a good oak, you know. And um, she says, they really hate you. We need to pray about this. In fact, I'm not even joking. Ask Dubs. It was on one of our prayer requests. There are some friends in the city that hate Link Church. Please, let's pray for God to change their hearts. And we're like, I don't know if we should pray for them or not. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. And, um, and like, I had this moment where I was like, is this a good or bad thing? Like, I need to recognize some of these moments as good moments. 
That's exactly what was going to happen when we started preaching a gospel that was anti-human effort. It's got nothing to do with the empire you've built or the, the, the kind of CV you've racked up or the, the money that you have in the bank. It's all about Jesus, what he did, what he's doing, what he's done, where he's going. It's all about him. And if that miffs you out, of course this is going to scare you because the gospel is summarized in one word, Jesus. No wonder you hate us. They hated him too, but a whole bunch never. And the bunch that never, you know what happened with them? They changed the world. And you and I are sitting here as a result of some people that chose to believe in a message that was scandalous, counterculture, didn't make sense, but we lent into it. And we're sitting here today because of that good news. And I read this thing, I was like, thank God for men like that, because they motivate me to keep doing what I'm doing. And by God's grace, they will come to church, or they will encounter Jesus, and they will know His story. But actually, that little moment was like me reminding myself, this is exactly what happens when we step out for Jesus. Maybe in your business you felt some conflict. My partner doesn't want to talk Jesus with me in my workplace, but I can't help it. It's like God has given me a vision for this space that I've never had before. There's going to be conflict, but I'm praying that you would have the courage to move through it. Sometimes in our homes, a husband or a wife, one of the, uh, the couple that comes home is like, God has just changed my life. Biggest church experience ever. I don't want to ever leave this. Don't know what to do. And this moment comes, you're like, uh, she doesn't agree with me or he doesn't agree with me or they don't want to come or my kids don't believe it or they're still running a mile in the opposite direction when I'm telling them, church is where you need to be. Anchor's cooking. God is doing something, but my kids are running in that direction. What do I do, Adrian? What do I do? You know what you do? Just courageously love your children because God will do what he said he would do. I, I, love, I love these moments of conflict because they remind us that we're about the gospel. And listen to what happens here in verse 16. It's where this gets really exciting for me. It says, we, what are we going to do with these men, they asked, because everyone living in Jerusalem, everyone living in Joburg knows that they've done an outstanding miracle. They know that Anchor Church is seeing lives changed and people baptized and provision come through for people. They know this, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, listen to what they're going to do to stop it. We must warn these men not to speak any longer in this name. The thing God's going to do, or the thing devil's going to try and do, to stop the rapid spread of Anchor Church, and let me tell you, it's rapid. I spoke to Adrian a year ago, blinked my eyes, and there's a couple of hundred people in the room. It's rapid. There is a movement unfolding before our eyes here, Anchor Church, and what they're going to do to try and stop this is silence your mouths about the testimony of faith that is unfolding in your hearts. Stop these men from speaking. No, 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 no. Strike the drum. Play the piano. Let's say it again. Jesus, they're going to try and silence you, but God is going to come through for you. It says, then they called the men in again, and they com commanded them, do not speak or teach at all in this name. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot stay silent. We cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. The third thing I want to leave with you, Anchor Church, as we go today and as you continue to pioneer what God has called you to is this idea of discussion and declaration. And I remember reading this so clearly the first time, going, God, it feels like I'm in the story sometimes. It feels like what I set out to do with passion and joy and just an excitement for the gospel is being shut down by negative voices, critics and some people even in my own story that are trying to keep me quiet, trying to tell me to calm down, trying to tell me to keep quiet. I'm not making a racket for the wrong reasons. I found a grace I need to speak about. And I remember thinking, God, speak to me. And as I identified with Peter and John, God started to show me, while the world discusses your problems, you just keep declaring his provision. 
What's what's happening here? Just isn't that what's going down here? They called them in, and they had this discussion panel. And while the discussion is going on, the people outside are praising, and Peter and John are declaring. I think the church around the world got really good at discussing what we should do and what we shouldn't do and what does work, and is that church right, and is this church wrong? It's like the discussion panel is here to stay, but I feel like God's saying to the church that wants to grow, don't worry about the discussion, just get on board the declaration, because there is a move of faith that's moving through the city from hearts and minds that want to declare the goodness of Jesus. A lot of people are going to have a story that they want to tell about your life, but the gospel tells a different one. Dill, you're not such a great husband after all. That's what I hear in my mind, right? And uh, your children may be pretty and stuff, but watch for their teen years, Dill. It's going to go pear-shaped there. And Dill, you know what? Your church is kind of doing this big thing, and you're all about the lights and the flash and the discussion, discussion, discussion. You know what we said about a bunch of time ago? We sat as a team. We got in a room, and I wrote it on a board. We will be known for what we are for. Implied, we will not be known for what we're against. We are not a discussion panel trying to discuss who's doing what, when, and how. Is it wrong? Is it right? We are a language of declaration. We are known for what we're for. And we're for salvation. And we're for brokenness being made whole. And we're for poverty being brought to life by God's goodness and provision. We are for things. And I honestly don't mind what you're against because I know what I'm for. And my prayer for you, Anchor Church, maybe out of everything God sent me to tell you, is don't get caught up in menial discussions. Keep your language one of forward momentum and declaration. There will always be a discussion on your life, but declaration changes cities. Amen? Won't the um, band or guitarist or however you guys do it just come up here? I just want to pray for you if that's okay. Listen to what it says here. And after further threats... They let them go. And after further threats, they let them go. Should we let Anchor Church use studio? Should we? It's a church. Do we really want that? Come on, Anchor, let's just keep declaring God's goodness. They're discussing whether they want us here or not. Let's just keep declaring what God's going to do in this city. Oh, wow, they opened their doors for us. Why? Because they could not keep them in. I asked Adrian, I said, have you got faith in your heart to buy this building? He said, Dill, I've got faith to build a church, whether it's this building or another one or whatever it is. And I'm just thinking that's so amazing because guess what? Right now there's a discussion happening again. Man, just up the road here from the casino where people are throwing it all away, there's a church pioneering something by God's grace. And I wonder if they're doing it right. And I wonder if we can go. And I wonder if we can. And what they don't know is that there's a team of people at the volunteer prayer meeting. Before you guys came to church today, there was a group of 20, 30 people that started praying for you. You've walked onto fertile soil, ready ground. God is already here before you even arrive because people believe in a language of declaration. And the words I heard in that prayer time were, God, we believe you're going to meet people. We're gonna, we believe you're going to bring the breakthrough. We believe you're going to shape the future. And as you walked in, you know what you were doing? You were just joining, joining in a language of declaration. Your best days are yet to come. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God. Do you know that in the story of Jericho, God sent the boys around Jericho a few times? You know what he did? sent the praising force up front but he put armed guards in front of them 
And then behind them was the presence of God carried in the Ark of the Cut. You know the story. And they put armed guards behind them too. And so what was he doing? He was always, since the beginning of time, since the first moment that, they, that God gave a victory to people that never earned it. That was the story of Jericho. It's the story of God's grace. Since that moment, God had protected his praise up front and his presence behind. Since that day, God has been protecting his praise and his presence. Anchor Church, you need to know, as you praise God, there is an army that goes ahead of you. And it's an angel army and it protects the language of praise on your mouth. And it protects the presence of God in this house because God knows you've been born to change this city. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Stephen Furtick who once said we don't need our circumstances to improve for our confidence in Christ to increase Stephen Furtick as he's unpacked this idea he, he reminded us that circumstances will present themselves in a way but our confidence in God is unhindered by those it's not it's not shaped by circumstances it's courage right that's what we're talking about and so God I'm going to pray that as every person today would lift your name up in praise this morning, would believe you to move in their businesses and their families and their schools and their workplaces. God, I'm believing that circumstances would not shape the confidence you will birth in their hearts again today, God. I'm believing, Jesus, the last time I, I checked, you were holding on to us, God. We weren't holding on to you, God. Bible tells us that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. And so I thank you, God, that you would stir about a confidence in this church. I thank you for a pioneer heart in Adrian and Benita, God. I thank you, God, that circumstances will never prevail against the confidence that they have in you, Jesus Christ. And I thank you, God, that this church, as they face obstacles, God, there will be bigger opportunities, God. I thank you, God, that as they stand in faith and raise the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, God, that you would bring about power, provision, and purpose, God. I thank you, God, that you would shape the future literally as our language of praise erupts from this house God today I pray and I declare God that these people would be a people of possibility that these people would be a people of promise God I declare that this church would not get caught up in menial discussions God but would find themselves declaring the bigness of the gospel and the good news of grace and I thank you Jesus that this city would come alive under the language of their tongues God I thank you Jesus that this city would see life and they would run toward it and that you would do what you set out to do in Jesus name I thank you for everything you're doing the privilege to be here and the possibility that's still ahead in Jesus name